Good morning, everyone. It's great to have you this weekend. I trust you've had a great, great weekend the past couple days celebrating Thanksgiving, and we're here Thanksgiving weekend. Excited to kind of intro our upcoming uh, Christmas series as well as just get ready for the next few weeks. Take a little break from Mark here and think about um, all the things we're grateful for here at church. I hope you enjoyed the video of the staff just giving their thoughts on what they're thankful for. And we are so appreciative of Renew and everyone who calls this place their home. But one of the things that I'm most thankful for this Thanksgiving is, is just thinking about um, my Heavenly Father. I was thinking, what, what kind of verse this year am I most grateful for? And, and how could I take Thanksgiving and be a thanks uh, giver to someone that has something had happened to me that God's ministered to me and give it to someone else? And God's really brought me a lot of encouragement um, through some texts on how to live in the time periods we are doing. And I thought this would be a good series and season of giving out some of the things that God's really encouraged me with so I can encourage you with them. And one of the heartbeats of this, of this comes from this verse right here. I love this verse. It says this, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Now, kids, I like good gifts and don't we really like perfect gifts, right? So, so there's something to this, though, that's even deeper. There, there's something that we can spiritualize as we think through this. But every good gift and every perfect gift, where does it come from? It comes from above, okay? Coming down from the Father of lights, what a title, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Do you love the fact that God doesn't change? Do you love the fact that when you pray to God, he's not mad that day? Do you love the, when you pray to God, he's not ignoring you that day or not getting back to you? Do you love when you come to God, he's consistent in his attributes and his nature and who he is, and you can trust that? All we are is surrounded by people who change on us. You change on people. People change. The world changes. Organizations change. Families change. Loved ones sometimes change. Churches change. Politicians change. Governments change. And all the change that goes through life, God said, this will come. In fact, sometimes God says, I'm doing a new thing. What I was doing, I'm now doing a new thing. And you ever notice he doesn't run it by you? And what God allows, he doesn't ask for your permission or whether check to see if you're okay with it or whether you can emotionally handle it. There's change all about. And where there is change, people can grow in angst and anxiousness and struggle. And people are noticing that things are changing around them. If you could give a pulse on the average church attender, you would hear discouragement, sometimes some fear. Is this the last days? Are we in on the last days? I mean, are we, is this like the end? Or you could hear just some fatigue, just I'm tired of all the division and the anger and the screaming and the yelling and the crime and the struggle. I'm just feeling discouraged. I'm feeling a little weighed down. You ever get those emotions? And it comes a lot as a pastor. You get the question like, hey, Pastor Chris, you think it's like the end times? And sometimes it's fun to just be like, no, not even close. What? Like, no, no, of course. In fact, Ever since Jesus left, he said his return could be imminent. We're always living in the last days. But anybody that I converse with, that I feel really knows their scripture, 
If you were to ask them, and I've heard it from them, do you feel like, man, we're getting close? You will hear a resounding, yeah, I've never felt more like it before. Birth pangs, wars, rumors of wars, struggle, division. On top of that, the attitude of the age that's predicted in 2 Timothy. Oh my word, you read through that and you feel like you're reading everything you're living in. And so you say, you know, in this world, we're, 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 how are we supposed to live? Did you know that Hebrews actually says, as you see the day drawing near, what does that tell you? You'll see it. You'll kind of know. You won't be like, oh, I didn't see that coming. As you see the day drawing near. Oh, my word. And, and world, the world is loud, isn't it? I mean, things are going constant. There's always something. There's always something to be concerned with. And in the social media age, you're worrying about things that are hundreds of miles away now. You can barely handle your house, let alone other countries. And it's constantly bombarding you and it overwhelms us. And then on top of that, we're seeing all these things that point to this might be the coming of the end. So I, I looked and I thought, oh, as you'd see the days drawing near, I gotta find a passage in scripture um, that, that, can, that can help me figure out. So I looked for passages on build bunkers in your basement and hide. I, I struggled. I was looking for them. I couldn't find them. And, and then I was looking for some Psalms that were about like moving your entire family out West and like living on some place and going totally off grid. I, I, I couldn't find, I read every Psalm, just looking for something to go off grid. And then I thought of another one that I could make signs and go in the streets and scream at everybody. And that'll make me feel better. I couldn't find anything like that. It kept I searching through scripture. How should I live in the times like these? Well, let's look at the context of this verse because I mean, this is a verse about as we see the day drawing near. Here's what scripture says. And, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the days drawing near. Ooh, that sounds kind of calming. I'm gonna give you a pro tip on information you take in. Anything that is building anxiety in you isn't from God. What's wrong with you? How could you not be? You should be doing more. What? God is a shepherd and he leads by still waters. He calms and he guides. Make no mistake, he will lead you into fearful things at times. But he says, guess who's going with you? As you see the days drawing near, isn't it interesting how we always forecast the future and God's not with you? I'll be all alone. I won't even know somebody's gonna trick me. And the Holy Spirit going, I was planning on going with you into the future. We're gonna do this together. And so what should I be doing? What should I be doing? As you see the days drawing near, as I see the new cast, here, 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 here. I want you to think about other people, especially the one another. Who's the one another? Oh, my brothers and sisters in Christ, yeah. Your brothers and sisters in Christ, in times like these, might be tempted to be discouraged and overwhelmed, full of anger and upset, nervous and anxious. So I want you to go out of your way. As you see the days drawing near, go out of your way to stir them up. Think about how to encourage them. Gather with them, meet with them, give them a smile. Let them know you love them. You know, it's often said, people will never remember what you said, but they'll remember how you made them feel. How do people feel around you? Are you an agent of encouragement? 
Are you an agent of stirring one another up? Do you go out of your way to get together with people to encourage them? Or is getting with people like, oh, people, oh, get together, oh, get in the car. How long are we gonna be there? Not long, right? We can go, right? Can we make up that the babysitter has to leave early so we can get going? I mean, what we go through in the holiday season is so self-focused, it destroys everything we do. What if you attacked it differently? What if you thought about how you could be an encouragement on that drive over to that house? How you could stir them up to love one another in their home a little bit better? How you could get together with them to put a smile on their face? What if it weren't about you and were about the one another? That's what you're called to do. Especially if you see the days are drawing near. So if you've got this thought, this is what you want to do. You know that in the scriptures, the one and others are in command form? Oh, really? Yeah. They're not a suggestion. Hey, if you feel like it, if the person's nice to you, if you like being with them, that's not the one and others. In fact, scripture offers 59 one and others. Many of them are repeated throughout. I kind of broke them down because I don't know about you, but I do better when I have a job description. I'm not very good at giving out job descriptions. Ask anybody who's ever worked for me. But I'm very good if I have one to work on myself. Do you know your job, as you see the days drawing near church, is to think about one another. One another. I broke them down. There's about 30 that aren't repeated. Love one another, be at peace with one another, wait for one another, forgive one another, bear with one another. Think about it. If you're driving over to that house to that really annoying family member, and if you can't think of which annoying family member that is, it's probably you. So (laughs) if you're headed over and you're thinking, oh my word, they're driving me nuts, you might get a chance to bear with one another. It changes your mindset when your focus isn't on you but it's on others. See, we can't control what happens to us. Change will come all the time. We can control our reaction to it. And our reaction is to honor God, the one who loves us, the one who bears with us, the one who brings us peace, says, if you're grateful for what I give you, I want you to give it to one another, especially when you see the days drawing near. We do a lot of driving this time of year. I thought it'd be clever to call this Interstate 3-0. The 31 and others we're gonna try to cover over these next few weeks. And if you're thankful for what God has done in your life, even if it's only to thank him for his son, then what if you took that gratitude and gave it to someone else? In order to do that, you need to know the God of the Bible. He is a God of comfort. He's a God of hope. He's a God of peace. He's a God of encouragement. And today, I pray I can fulfill one of the one another's by stirring you all up to love and good deeds, by encouraging you, and all the more as we see the days drawing near. Heavenly Father, use this series to be an encouragement to our church. What an incredible church it is. And I pray that you would use this to stir us up even more to gather together, to encourage each other, and to think of ways.
that we could be a blessing to other people. Lord, I ask that you would remove the room of distraction so we can focus on what you have for us. Lord, I pray that you would humble our hearts so we would readily receive the word of God. And then I also ask that we would leave different, not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word, applying what this sacred text has to teach us. We thank you for your word, God. We love it here at Renew Bible. We pray these things as thanksgivers. In Jesus' name, amen. So what's a thanksgiver look like? I mean, what, what would, if we were building out what that would look like, what would it be? Well, it begins with this word, consider. Let us consider. Now, I grew up in our cartoonist's home. My dad was a commercial artist, had a studio in the house. And so drawing and cartooning was just part of my family life. So were violins and all these different things. In fact, I was a real disappointment to my dad. I didn't continue the violin or continue to draw. However, I was taught these things at a young age. I think he's okay because I became a preacher. But, but for the most part, drawing was all about our house. And if, in order to get a picture put on dad's wall upstairs in his art studio, it had to be good. And my mom would be like, come on, Robin, just put the picture up. He goes, no, it has to be good because they, they have to want to get their picture on the wall. So we would draw. Oh man, and I love to draw. I was never, never as good as my father, but I love to draw. And I learned some things about cartooning that helps me think through the word consider. The, the idea behind consider is to look at something, watch it, process how it is, and emphasize parts about it that you truly want to bring out, especially, obviously, in the idea of a character of another person. And so, and so, let's see here, let's see here. Um, when you're drawing caricatures, you normally start with the head, okay? And people have different heads, right? I'll just do this. Like, people have different heads, right? <laughs> okay, so when you're drawing caricatures, you look at their head and nobody's heads look like that. However, when you start messing with them and adding ears, right, then you give them a bigger mouth and it fits their chin. So if their chin's real stiff, you give them a stiff chin and then you shivel it out a little bit and then you work your way through. And obviously if they have hair, it makes it easier. I don't. So, so when you're, when you're doing a, a cartoon of, of me, you got to be a little more careful. I like doing the eyes. Normally, normally you go across the ears here and you do the eyes, you get the eyebrows in. If I were doing me, it's safe to do me. If I pick somebody else in the crowd, they might get mad at me. So I'll just kind of do me. We'll get the, the glasses on. We'll add this down here, get some of that going on. Right. Well, and, and then all of a sudden you start doing the body. Right. And then I do this with circles. Right. Because kids, sometimes when you draw drawings, you draw drawings and you forget to give them a neck, right? And then you put like arms down here and stuff. You, know, you want to get it. So I just do, I do the shoulders and then I'll, I'll do an arm, right? I'll do a hand and then I'll, I'll, I'll do that so that I can see that. And then you just start to work it, right? You start to bring it together. Now, you got, I got me, so let's give me a jacket, right? If you give me a jacket, it'll start to look. Because now in the second part... I always, think, I always think this, I think look, listen, and lift. Look, look for characteristics you want to bring out in the person. So if it's their eyes, you look at their eyes, you just kind of see, are they a wincer, okay? Are, are, are they somebody whose eyes are a little closer together? Is their nose, right? Especially if you're drawing women, keep this last one in mind, lift, 
Um, you want to lift them up and build them up. You want to make them feel encouraged, okay? Listen, you wanna list things. You can't spell the word listen without the word list. List things that are props. Make them look even better than they think because they'll love the caricature if you, if you say better, okay? So let's just do something like that, right? And um, you always have to be careful if you're doing your wife, okay, like that. You know, I'm doing a caricature of my bride here. So she's like this, we'll put her like this, put my arm around her. Uh, hands are what get you scholarships or not young people, and so we'll be just quick with the hands, right? We'll, we'll do this, we'll put this down, and before you know it, we don't have a lot of time to focus on legs, but always want to spend some time on the sneakers, right? Let, let preach a little bit. Um, and, and then, you know, we start really getting this together, and before you know it, the cartoonist, what he does is he gets out the black magic marker, and that's when the game changes, right? You start, you start oh man, look at that. It just starts flowing all together, and the character is built by looking at characteristics you want to bring out. Okay, Chris has got glasses. I'm going to really focus. I'm going to make his glasses bigger. I'm going to make bigger glasses. There we go. We're going to, okay, smile. We'll do this. You know, you got that. Okay, we'll really, we don't really just understand that thing, so we'll just make that even bigger, right? Right? And, um, and, and like that right there. Okay, and then um, we'll make the shadows. Okay, there, little nose like that. And you just start really bringing things together, right? And that's where we get to see the work just start to finalize because the caricature is looking and he's listing. What's this list part? Okay, Chris is a preacher, so let's, let's put a Bible in his hands. And now, even if it doesn't look like him, you get this feel of a prop helping that. And so you're listing what the props are and then you're looking for things to really draw out. And whenever you tighten up things, it makes it even better. We'll stop there. I could draw on that all day. When I say let us consider, I want you to look at scripture through the eyes of, an, of a cartoonist. I want you to see this passage and I want you to look at it and consider it. Study it and process it because in this passage, the consider has a direct object. And the direct object is not yourself. It's who? Any guesses? One another. Scripture says this in Hebrews chapter 10. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Let us consider how to stir up one another. Some of you are thinking, okay, all right. So like a pot right? And then we get like some things and we, we kind of stirring it up. We're just stirring it up. You could think that, but the stir also carries another idea. It carries the idea of sharpening something like a pencil. Now that's interesting. That takes the word to another level. Not only am I trying to encourage it and stir it up and get all the best out of it. Anybody knows a salad when you put all the things in and you stir it up, it makes it even better. But a pencil. I'm trying to sharpen it. Yeah, yeah, that's how I'm supposed to be looking at people. I want you to consider them, look at them, and study them, and think of ways to stir it up. You know what? I notice they really love sports. You know, it'd be real encouragement to them. Let's give them some tickets to a game. That'd be a really cool thing. Let's go with them. They love, why don't we do that? 
You're, you're thinking about them, you know what? You know what I noticed about grandma? What? She's always sitting on her chair knitting. Let's get her some stuff to knit. Let's, let's think through what she, what, what would really encourage grandma? Nothing, she has everything, she always says, okay. What does she like? When we come over, you know what? Maybe we should go over just to stir her up. And while we're there, let's be thinking of ways to really sharpen her. How would we sharpen her? How would you, maybe, hey, you guys, if she needs anything carried, let's ask her. Is there anything you need moved around, Grandma, while we're here at the house? What are you doing right now? You're considering Grandma, and who are you not thinking about right now? You, having to go over there. Again? How long? When we go over, let's do this for Grandma. Let's consider her. Let's sharpen her. Let's refine her. Here's the power. Here's the power, parents. Isn't it like the devil to get us to focus only on what's wrong with our children? Isn't he good at that? We leave out everything that's wrong with us. But when it comes to our kids, we point out that. We point out that. We point out that. Would you say that's sharpening them? And is that stirring them up? Well, you say somebody's got to point it out. And although that is true, if that's all they hear from your mouth, you are no longer someone who stirs them up. You're someone who tears them down. Isn't that a good trick if you're the devil trying to bring disharmony to your house? To get you to focus on everything that's wrong with your husband, everything that's wrong with your wife, everything that's wrong with your children, everything that's wrong with this world, everything that's wrong with this house, everything that's wrong with this Christmas. Isn't he good? Because if he can get you focused on how it's impacting you, you are now a victim of your circumstances instead of someone who's controlling their response. Let us consider. One of the things I love about Renew is it's good at the one another's. We got people from all sorts of different walks of life. We got people with tons of connections in this church. We have people who barely know anybody. We have people who have many means and we have some who are just rubbing things together. We have people who have traveled all over the world. We have people who have never left Percocet. We have people from all sorts of walks of life here at Renew Bible. And you know what I love about this church? I see you treat one another with the same care. That's on Interstate 3.0. In fact, it's one of the one another's. The members should have the same care for one another. You know, you would think that's easy to do, but have you ever noticed how many people struggle not bashing other Christians? They'll care about people who go to their church, but if you go somewhere else, they'll care about people that sit in the row next to them, but if you're a celebrity Christian, look out, you're free bait. And then we attack and we attack brothers and sisters in Christ, sometimes over arguments, over little things that do not bring much value. And we'll battle over it, and we'll argue with it. And it brings such disunity. May we be a church that gets together offering the same care for one another and thinking of ways to stir one another up. So our first step in our caricature is let us consider one another. Let us consider one another. Let's look for things, unique characteristics like a cartoonist does and emphasize them. Hey, you know what? I noticed you're so good at that. Do you know how encouraging it is sometimes just for somebody to say, hey, yo, you got your shoe game looks good. You see their smile. <laughs> These things. Yeah, right. You've looked at them like nine times already. Looks good. Looks good. We get encouraged by the simplest things. People might not remember what you say. 
Although there's things that people have said that I'll never forget. But they'll remember how you made them feel. This next five weeks, you're gonna be getting together with people. How are you gonna make them feel? Let us consider. The second part, there's only three, is not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. The word neglect here literally carries the idea of forsake. I mean, it's as if someone is deliberately not going. Their hand is up and they're not coming. No, I refuse to. It's not because of a tragedy. It's not because of illness. It's not because even of something as as difficult as you just can't physically get there. This is laziness, unwillingness. I refuse to. I don't like it. I don't like how they. Using your preference to say, I resist going because of this. I would ask you, how encouraged are you right now? I'm preaching to the choir. You're all sitting here or engaged. But when we make a priority to get together, you're a massive encouragement to one another. In fact, you stir it up. I preached for months to an empty room. I know what it feels like, and it wasn't that great. I had brothers and sisters in Christ come in, just sit behind the camera, nodding their head like, good job, man. But you know what this church did? They encouraged me. And they said, hey, we're with you. We're following along. We're keeping this moving. As we continue to gather together, we're an encouragement. You know you all, you all have habits. And I know where y'all probably are gonna sit today. A lot of you, I know where to look. I know where to look. In fact, I know where my wife most likely is. I look for her when I come out. I can't always find it, but I know it's going right here. All right, and I know some of you are right here and some of you are gonna be right here and some of you are gonna be over here. I know where you're at, right? And, and, I, and, and I encourage, and some of you people up front, you say, we go up front to encourage Chris. Thank you, guys. Thank you for encouraging me. I appreciate that. Right, Mike? That's right, right. So, so we're encouraging us, right? And so we're a family here and it can look like all this stuff, but Renew Bible loves one another and they wanna be an encouragement one another. You know that coming together is one of the ways that you can do that. In fact, scripture goes beyond just coming to church. It says, I want you to get together with one another. It's a real stirring up to call each other over to each other's houses. You go, oh, I knew he was gonna go there. Oh, my word. We just put up the Christmas lights. There's boxes everywhere. I don't pray. Don't pray. But look what scripture says. It's one of the one another's. It's on Roots 3.0. Look at this. Offer hospitality to one another. Look at, look at this. Look at this. Peter knew. Peter knew, didn't he? Isn't that incredible? Scripture anticipates. Anticipates you not wanting to do this. Watch this. Consider, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Young people. When mom's having people over, what does that mean for your day? Oh man, right? Come on, we gotta clean this place up. Mom, they're not coming to my room. They probably will. You'll probably take them upstairs. Uh, right? Peter says, hey, here, this, this Christmas season, when you're off for hospitality, I want you to do it without grumbling. You're gonna get challenged in this area, especially if you're the one. What one? I'm gonna, I'm gonna preach to the ladies who always are the host home for a second. Guys, are you always the host home? Which are the families? You're always their family. You're the host home. Everybody's coming to your place. Oh, we're always the home. We're always the home. Can we go somewhere else for once? 
You're gonna be challenged in this. Offer hospitality, Peter says, without grumbling. You know the only reason you would grumble? If you're considering who? One another or yourself? Make no mistake, it is difficult and we need to encourage and bear with one another and help mom and dad out and all the above. But offer hospitality. College students, young people, singles, you're not off the hook here. You ever wanna take somebody out to breakfast? Just offer them hospitality? When's the last time, instead of saying, how come nobody does this for me? You said, watch me shock the world. Hey, so-and-so, you wanna go grab some coffee? Whoa. I have seen 24-year-olds change, change, 80-year-old women's lives by just showing up at a retirement home with a cappuccino and a couch. Change lives. Don't forsake. Don't not get together. In fact, hospitality. Reach out to one another and do it without grumbling. So let's consider the person. Let's look at them. Let's cartoon this. Let's consider, but let's also gather and let's list for prop ideas to encourage them with. Hmm, did you notice? Did you notice? Did you know she said that her bathroom sink hasn't been running for like a month? Yeah. Do you want me to call my buddy? I bet we can get her bathroom sink going. You were listening. You were listening and you were listing. You were thinking of ways to stir them up. And there's the third one. Encouraging one another. Go out of your way to encourage one another. Isn't it interesting? You can't spell encourage without seeing the word Courage. That's what encouraging does. Ask any coach out there. Ask any teacher out there. Ask any musician who, who teaches lessons to kids. The way to give them courage is to encourage them. Play that note. Ding. No, play that note, young lady. Come on. Bing. Play the note. Ding. Ooh, look at you. <gasps> you see their face. That's what I'm talking about. What are you doing? You're bringing courage. We live in a world where people are always tempted to be afraid. There is nothing like a brother and sister in Christ going, I'm with you. You got this. I'm praying for you. I'll sit next to you. I'll come. I'll drive you. I want you to have them come over. There is nothing that brings more encouragement than that. Young people out there, kids, Drawing a picture for grandpa is one of the coolest things you could do. He don't need anything, ask him. But to spend time with him, for an adult son to say, hey dad, have we ever fixed that car? No, it's still out in the garage. Why don't we work on that? Really? Yeah, I wanna bring three hours. I'm gonna come over, dad. Let's work on that together. We might even put on some of your favorite music. No way. Yeah, you hate that song. I know, but you like it, Dad. We can change people's lives by considering who? One another. We are always thinking about ourselves. But, but I don't naturally do that, Chris. I'm not naturally thinking about other people. But see, when you're a thanksgiver, you know that you have a God of encouragement. And so because you receive encouragement from your Lord... You want to give it. 
How have we met this God of encouragement? Where do we see him show up in the scripture? You know, there's phrases, God of, God of, the God of, the God of, the God of. I did it for my devotions one time. I like to shake up my devotions. So I said, I'm gonna look up all the passages of the God of. And I found the God of grace, the God of comfort, the God of peace, the God of joy. But there's also the God of comfort and the God of encouragement and endurance. God gives encouragement and endurance. Where do we see this play out? In those servants of God's who are often the most afraid, the most scared, the most defeated, the most discouraged. I have good news for you. If you're feeling any of those feelings this holiday season, the God of encouragement and endurance wants to speak into your life. And he does that by showing you ways he's done it in the past. How many of you remember the story of a man named Gideon? Remember Gideon? I love Gideon. Gideon was great. God had a name for Gideon. See, the Midianites were coming, and the Midianites were evil, ravaged people, okay? And it scared Gideon and his people, and in that time, they didn't have a king, and so they needed judges to rule. And Gideon, hearing that the Midianites were coming, he hid in a wine press. A wine press would be like a, a, a thing like this, you know, like bricks and stuff and, and like that. He hid, he hid in the wine press when he saw the people coming, and God came to him and said, Gideon! Mighty man of valor. Mighty man of valor? He's hiding. That's like going into your house and playing hide and go seek, and you got a four-year-old hiding under the couch, trembling and even crying, and you getting down there going, hey, there you are, you mighty man of valor. They're terrified. What does God see that we don't see? He's not a mighty man of valor. He says, God, I'm gonna use you, Gideon. I'm gonna use you to fight off these Midianites that are oppressing my people. And Gideon's like, okay, um, I'm not sure. Um, how can I know it's you? And God said, go get a cake. Go get some cake, all right? Let's get a cake. Not a birthday cake, kids, but something he would eat, all right? And he said, go get a cake. And it was the angel of the Lord, which we believe may have been just um, God speaking through that messenger. And the, Gideon brings the cake and says, I'm not sure it's you. And, and the angel, fire everywhere, all right? Huge flames, smoke goes up. And he's like, okay, it's you. What do you want me to do? I want you to go tear down the Asherah pole your father built to Baal. Dads, yes. Um, okay. So Gideon goes, and he does it at night. You'll find Gideon likes night, so I'm drawing some stars. So if I'm building a caricature, I gotta have things I'm listing. And so Gideon, he, he, he goes at night, and he knocks down the Asherah pole. And now he becomes infamous as well as famous. This is the guy who did this, and may Baal contend with him. So God comes to him again. He says, I want you to put an army together and I want you to fight off these Midianites and I will use you. So Gideon says, can I have a sign? Can I have a sign? If you will save, behold, I'm gonna lay a fleece out. So Gideon, again, I use circles to make sure I have a neck, all right? So Gideon, he 
takes this fleece. I'm gonna put it over him because we're building the caricature of this guy. He takes this fleece and he puts it out. And he says, if the ground is dry, and sometimes I get it reversed, so give me some grace if I get it reversed. If the ground's dry, but the fleece is wet, you're God. And he comes back and that's exactly what happened. And, and Gideon goes, please forgive me, God. Don't, don't be upset, but I'm gonna try it one more time. Tomorrow night, if it's reversed, then I know it's you. And you know what the God of encouragement and endurance does? Stop demanding a fleece. No, you know what he does? He does it for him. And it thrills Gideon. And God did so. And that night, it was dry. Gideon is gaining encouragement from God. We're building a caricature of a guy who is gaining confidence in his God. And as we gain confidence, it builds us up to do bigger things. And that's where God says, gather an army together to fight the Midianites and thousands show up. And God says, Gideon, tell them this, whoever is fearful, whoever is fearful, tell them to go home. And so I'm gonna picture Gideon, I'm gonna picture him with a, with a sword in his hand, okay? Because he's a warrior now for the Lord, right? And let's, let's, let's jack him up a little bit, right? Let's make Gideon a stud here. Let's do that just for fun, right? Let's, let, let's see that, you know, just like add a little money. So, so we're gonna add a sword now because we're building props. We're watching him and we're listening and, and we see this. Whoever's fearful and thousands go home and they get down to this 10,000. The Midianite armies are massive and now they just have 10,000 and God goes, too many, too many. You ever feel like it feels like people who love the Bible and love the Lord, you ever feel like there's not enough of us? God loves using little crowds to show off. Loves it. My dad reminded me when I was in high school, I said, oh, my friends are like walking away from the Lord. It's so weird, dad. I feel like I'm the only, and God said, whoa, whoa, check the passage in scripture. It says the few. It never said the many. Be a few. And from that day, I always wanted to be a few. Gideon was a few. And God led them down to the water. And from how they would lap the water, God chose them. And from 10,000, they went down to how many? 300. 300. 300 men he went into battle with. And so Gideon came up with this idea. He got their warrior clothes on, right? Because that's what you should wear, right? Warrior clothes, right? And he went out to battle. And what he did was, he said, let's put jars with torches inside, okay? And we'll keep the torches covered. We'll encamp around them and so that they'll think there's more of us than there actually are. And then we'll attack by blowing on our horns and raising our torches in the sky. And they might even think behind every torch is another cohort and they'll, and they'll run and they'll be scared and they'll be afraid and we'll go in and we'll attack. And they did just that. And Gideon, let's give him, let's give him a little bit of a, a warrior's helmet here. Why not, right? And Gideon became a warrior for the Lord. Just by examining scripture, using plots, using these things, we can see this all coming together. But it's not Gideon who gets the glory. It's God who gets the glory. 
But what's amazing is when they yell the torches or they blow the torches and lift the torches and blow the horns, let me get it right. They say, for the Lord and for Gideon. They were thankful for what Gideon did, but they were doing it for the Lord. But Gideon would tell you, and his refusal to lead after this was because of that. This is about what God did, not about what I did. The God of encouragement uses scared, fearful, discouraged, and even hiding people to do massive and mighty things. Do you know him? Do you know the God of encouragement? I tend to be a little hard on myself. Anybody struggle with that? Have you ever offered yourself encouragement through scripture? That there's nothing you could ever do, child of God, to make God love you less? He knows you're scared. It's okay to tell him. He knows you're frustrated. It's okay to tell him. But God, what do you want me to do? You mean as you see the days drawing near? Yes, God. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to stir up one another. I want you to live in such harmony with one another in accordance with Jesus Christ. There's nothing that brings God more glory than when his kids harmonize together. He's the God of encouragement and the God of encouragement, that verse comes from a one another verse. And he wants us to live in harmony and he knows that will happen when we do these three things. Let us consider one another. How can I stir them up? What can we do? What would really be an encouragement? So that means when you come into church, you gotta be watching other people, even noticing if you see a discouraged face, noticing if someone looks a little lost, noticing. You begin to think about yourself less and about others more. How could I encourage them? Gather together. Gather together. Let us get together. I remember being a youth pastor for over 10 years. You know, teenagers, some of you have the gift of presence. When you're in a room, you make everyone want to be there. If God has given you that dynamic aspect of life, leverage it for the good. And get your friends to come with you to things. Some of you out there, when you walk in a room, you just bring encouragement into the room. Let God use it. But some of us who might walk into the room going, I hope my needs get met. I hope the pout on my face is big enough that everyone will reach out. May we flip that because that's the devil's trick. And go, I am going to give it to others. And watch how it comes back. I got a phone call from one of my own children who said, Dad, you're not going to believe what this little girl did in my study the other day. What? She wrote me this letter of encouragement. I got a phone call. That was phone call worthy. What could I do this year? 
that would be so cool, it would make them call their family members and go, you're not even gonna believe. That's a Christmas worth celebrating and thinking through. Let's gather together. Let's encourage one another. Scripture says to put the focus on one another. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting the meeting together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. That let us consider, it's used one other time in Hebrews. And the direct object isn't one another. Do you want to guess what it is? Here it is. Let us consider or let us look to Jesus. The founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising shame. He's the founder and perfecter. The same God. The same God of Gideon is the same God of Chris. And when he comes in, it looks a little messy, but he starts coming in and he starts cleaning it up. The founder and perfecter of our faith. He starts making it all come together for our good. And although it started out a little messy, we see in the end that God uses all these aspects of our lives, even the parts of our life that didn't make sense. He's perfecting it and bringing it together and putting together a masterpiece of how he can use us. He knows when our arm is feeble. He's the one who created it. He knows when we're tired. He knows what we need to do things for him in mighty ways. He encourages us with things along the way that will inspire us, even when we're hiding, even when we're fearful. He sees us. He is the God who sees. He's also the God who strengthens feeble feet, Hebrews says. He's the God who puts on a belt of truth. He arms us and puts us and holds us together. This awesome God, the same God of Gideon is the same God of Chris. And even if we're hiding in the night, even if we're being asked to do scary things, he's drawing and he's working and he's perfecting our faith, pointing us to Jesus. And so I pray you'll join us over the next few weeks as we don't consider ourselves we consider what Jesus did for us and because we're so thankful, we want to give it to others. Let us encourage one another. Let us stir one another up. Let us gather together all the more when you see the days drawing near. God, that's something I can do. That doesn't require any talent. It doesn't even require skill. It just requires an obedient heart. Heavenly Father, use this to encourage us today. May we be reminded that the same God, the God of encouragement and endurance that ministered through Gideon, who looked at a man in a, hiding in a hole and said, mighty warrior, because you saw the finished product. You see the finished product. In this world, they see all the different parts of our caricature coming together and sometimes it looks real messy and it doesn't look done, but you see the final product because you love us and encourage us even in our mess. May we turn that gratitude that you have for 
given to us. And may we put it on one another this Christmas. And let this be a Christmas that brings harmony to families, harmony to lives, and harmony to our church as we consider one another. Amen.